What is power? The ability to enforce your will? Brute strength? Intelligence? Innovation? Wealth? Influence? We strive for power in the halls of government. We work to expand our influence in the boardroom, the classroom. We struggle to lengthen our lives. Day in, day out, we toil to increase our wealth. But how much control do we really have? Our best laid plans can fall apart in an instant. Our most trusted technology can fail. Our hard-earned investments can evaporate before our very eyes. And no matter how disciplined we are, our bodies grow old and frail. But we are not without hope. Even in our weakness, there is good news for all people, an eternal power beyond human understanding that can soften the hardest heart, heal the deepest wound, bring peace, even joy, in any circumstance, and salvation to all who believe. That power is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the only power that lasts. Amen. You know, we are here today as people of God who are empowered to do great things. We're not called to just be mediocre in our faith. And we've been looking at this life of David, um, these prophets, these priests, these kings. Um, and you can kind of see as we're reading through these stories, and I hope you're finding great, uh, great truths from these stories. Because they're not there just to tell a history of people. They're there to tell of how important it is that we have a full trust in God. And whenever we're failing, whenever we're having a hard time, it's important to understand that, that the truth of the matter today is that a full faith in God will get you through anything. Whatever you're going through in this life, it will absolutely get you through anything that goes on in your life. And so we're trusting in God, and it, we need to have a full trust. We need to have a, a trust that's sincere, that whenever anything comes, that we're trusting in Him. And so, you know, a, a, another word we could say is faith. And the scriptures are very, very strict in teaching how our faith grows. Our faith does not grow by works. Our faith does not grow by sitting in church at First Baptist Church in Forum, Oklahoma on a Sunday morning. Our faith comes by hearing the word. Your faith will grow this morning not because of your pastor, because of your Sunday school teachers. It will grow because you hear the word of God today. And, and as we're looking at this passage of scripture today, we, we got a couple bad examples of David. Kind of the greatest thing about David is he would mess up, but, but he still trusted in God, even when he messed up. Can anybody here relate to that today? That sometimes, sometimes you just mess up. You just make mistakes, and so it comes down to this, is that it is the grace of God that gets us through everything. It's not our religion. It's not being Southern Baptist. It's not being American. It's not being Democratic or Republican. It, what gets us uh, through this life is knowing Jesus Christ personally. And it's through him that we are able to do that. Amen. Amen. So when we're looking this morning, 1 Samuel chapter 21, um, in, the, in the previous 
chapters here, we see where Saul is trying to kill David. Saul's after David. David's on the run. He's trying to find a safe place, and, and he's, he's running from here to there. And, and, and I, I guess we can give David just a little bit of leeway this morning, considering that someone was trying to kill him. But the truth of the matter is, is that even in those times when we feel like the world is coming after us, we must first and always trust in God. And here we're going to see a couple of examples where David wasn't necessarily trusting in God like he did when he took on the giants. And looking here in, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 21, David's on the run. He's taken off. He's going to other places. 1 Samuel chapter 21, starting in verse 1, says, Then David came to Nob, to Ahimelech, the priest. And Ahimelech came to meet David, trembling, and said to him, Why are you alone? And no one with you. And David said to Ahimelech the priest, The king has charged me with a matter and said to me, Let no one know anything of the matter about which I send you and with which I have charged you. I have made an appointment with the young men for such and such place. Now, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever is here. And the priest answered David, I have no common bread on hand, but here is the holy bread. If the young men have kept themselves from women, and David answered the priest, Truly, women have been kept from us, as always, when I go on an expedition. The vessels of young men are holy even when it is an ordinary journey. How much more today will their vessels be holy? So the priest gave him the holy bread, for there was no bread there but the bread of the presence which is removed from before the Lord to be replaced by hot bread on the day that it is taken away. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord, and his name was Doeg the Edomite, the chief of Saul's herdsmen. Then David said to Ahimelech, Then have you not here a spear or a sword at hand? For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me. Because the king's business required haste. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you struck down in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you will take that, take it, for there is none but that here. And David said, There is none like that. Give it to me. And David rose and fled that day from Saul, and he went to Achish, the king of Goth. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing to one another of him in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And David took these words to heart, and he was much afraid of Achish, the king of Goth. So he changed his behavior before them and pretended to be insane in their hands and made marks on the doors of the gates and let his spittle run down his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, Behold, you see the man is mad. Why then have you brought him to me? Do I like madmen? That you have brought this fellow to behave as a madman in my presence. Shall this fellow come into my house? Our Heavenly Father, as we've read your word, I pray that it would wash over us today. Lord, that we've been encouraged in our walks to trust you fully. Lord, as we look at this example, Lord, we understand that we are just like David. We are flawed people. 
And we need you as our Savior. We need you as our God. And I ask that you would just rush this place and fill us, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. Grow us in our faith today that we can leave here different than when we came. And we ask this in your most holy name. Amen. Amen. You see this story, and, and David, you know, he's like this guy in Scripture that everybody kind of looks up to. Everyone looks up to David. They think, man, David's just, if I was going to be someone in the Bible, I would want to be David. You know, he was the shepherd boy who became the giant killer who becomes the king. What a story. Everybody likes a good story. You know, the Lord of the Rings is not popular because it's a dumb story. Some of you are like, yeah, it's a dumb story. Well... We can argue on that. But it's got a great storyline to it, right? Star Wars. Everybody's like, man, that pastor is a nerd. That Star Wars is a great storyline, isn't it? It's good. It's evil. It's, you know, it's all of this. Good wins. There's all this stuff that happens. It's a good storyline. And we like good stories. And David is a good story. But today we're kind of at the, at the low pinnacle, the low spot. And honestly, if you're looking at the life of David, what we're seeing is that this is kind of one of his first big mistakes. And some of you are like, what's the mistake here? Well, the mistake that we see overall is a mistake to trust in God. The young warrior we saw that took on a giant with just a sling and stone, this is not the same guy. He's not acting the same way. In the first part of the passage there, it, you know, he goes to this, this priest, and he, he kind of tells a half-truth. You know? Well, the king sent me here. Yeah, the king he sent you there because you were scared. The king sent you running because you were scared. He told a half-truth. And, and even the priest is kind of like, this doesn't make sense. Why are you by yourself? You know, where's your weapons if you're on this big journey? And he said, well, we had to leave in haste and, and all of this. The truth of the matter is, is that where was this bravery that David had a, a couple chapters ago? Now here he is before the king and he's telling these half-truths. And I think in scripture, how many times have we seen men of God do this in scripture? They tell half-truths. You, you guys remember Abraham, you remember Moses, all these guys that, you know, oh, she's not really my, you know, my wife, she's my sister. Or, or, or you redirect your guilt. You guys remember the man Adam? Well, God, you gave me her. It's kind of interesting all these stories involve women, but that's another story, right? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's the guys that are failing here, right? They're not trusting in God. I, you know, I wish Adam would have just stood up and said, man, we sinned, God. But that's not what happened that day. I wish Moses and, and Abraham, when, when they failed, I wish they would have just stepped up and said, God, we failed. And, and here David, instead of just telling the priest, now I want you guys to think of this. A lot of you guys come to me when you're going through a hard time. It's funny, at the fire department, they call me Padre. And I was like, well, it's not really the same religion. Okay, but you, they come to me and they say, hey, Padre, right? Or, hey, preacher man. And a lot of times we go to the preacher, we go to the pastor, we go to the people that teach our Sunday school or whatever when we need advice, right? We've all done that before. If you haven't, you probably should because those people are there for that reason. Not that they're holy or anything, but, but they're people that can direct you in godly ways. And here he goes before a godly man and he tells a lie. You guys seeing the lack of faith there? At the end of the chapter, we see where David goes and he says, hey, you have any weapons? And the only weapon they had there was Goliath's sword. Now some people say, well, that's great he wants the sword back because he deserves it. Or it's great that he wants the sword back so he can defeat evil King Saul. But the thing is, is that this sword, he didn't need it. Did he need a sword to defeat the mightiest man in the land? 
Yet he's scared of Saul now. And, and, and so what is the first place he goes to? He goes to the sword. Again, we're seeing this lack of faith, right? We're seeing this lack of faith. And in the middle of both of these stories, in the middle of this lack of faith that David is having, this, uh, and it's momentary. When you get into chapter 22, he regrets what he has done. He regrets it because um, this Doeg, the Edomite, he ends up killing all of these priests and all their families. Men, women, and children kills all of them. And David feels guilty for that. Would it have happened anyway? If he would have showed up and not ate the bread and not taken the sword, they probably still would have been killed. But the thing is, is David feels a deep regret for his dishonesty and his lack of faith in, verse, in chapter 22. He feels bad about it. And I think sometimes we, we get to that point. We, we live a life of deceit and lack of faith, and then we fail to go to God and say, God, would you restore me? Would you reboot me? Would you make me what I used to be? Would you restore to me the, the joy of your salvation? David writes about that in his Psalms, the joy of the Lord's salvation. He writes about that, and, and, and he doesn't just write that because it sounds good. He wrote it because he experienced it. Guys, I want to tell you something this morning. As a pastor, I have experienced the joy of the salvation of God. As a, as a believer, I've experienced that. And many of you have experienced that. And there's nothing like it to be saved. There's nothing like it to be forgiven by God. Where everybody else is flawed and messed up, God is perfect and just. And when we trust in Him, He brings that perfect salvation that only He can bring. Only what Christ did on the cross of Calvary can save us. It's only faith in that that we are saved. There's nothing else. So we need to be people who are bold in our salvation. We're bold in our faith. You need to be bold in your faith today, church. And David, of course, we know he kind of, here in a couple chapters, he comes back and, you know, he has some opportunity to do bad and he doesn't do it. We'll talk about that here in a couple weeks. But when you're looking here, the, the thing that I want us to understand is that, you know, it's never us sinning these great big sins right at, at the get-go that get us away from God. It's always little stuff, right? It's a little lie. It's trusting in our own thoughts and our own aspirations over God's will for our lives. It's those kinds of things that get us into trouble. And we know that David's life is wrought with trouble because of his, his sexual deeds. He ends up with a son who hates him. He ends up killing a man. He ends up breaking a woman's heart. There's all these stories that we, that we will get into, but it all starts somewhere. It's, uh, there was a song a few years ago that it was, it was called Slow Fade. And that's the way sin is. It's a slow fade. It's, it's not like the devil comes up and says, hey, let's go wipe out an entire nation and worship Satan. It's these little things that come our way. And David was starting down a path that he never should have went down. If he would have just continued a faith in God, he would understand that God had a plan for his life. That God had already anointed him king of Israel. And if God anoints something, guess what happens? What he anoints. If God has called you to something, if God has, has given you opportunity to do ministry, you will be able to do it when you trust in him. But you'll never, never be able to do it when you only trust in yourself. Or you trust in your good deeds or your good works. A couple weeks ago, we talked about how good works are um, they're a sign that someone knows God. But the good works do not save you. The good, the good works are not the things that make you saved. The good works 
Just prove who your God is. David had lost it here. Momentarily, sure. And we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He does have a guy chasing him. He's, he's running in the night from this king, from this all-powerful king. He's running from him. But David had lost that same faith that he had when he was a kid. But in the middle, in the middle of this, we see an interesting piece because I think we all can relate. Some of you guys are probably sitting in this same boat right now. How many of y'all are hungry right now? It's almost lunchtime, right? And David shows up. So in the middle of these two doubts, in the middle of it is this picture of this bread. And some people call it the show bread or the bread of faces. And basically it was bread that was given to God. And, and, and we're, we're the same way today. You sat, you sat down with friends to eat meals together. At church, we like to have dinners and potlucks because it's a time of fellowship. And really, this bread was set before the altar of God. It was set there as a symbol that God wants to have communion with people. And it was set forth every day fresh, hot. Just like, uh, like Subway. It's fresh loaf of bread set out there, fresh and hot, you know. And, and, and God was desiring that he would have um, this, this close relationship with his people. After a day, we'd go by, the bread would get kind of crusty, and they'd kind of throw it to the side, and other people would eat it. I've heard theologians say that it was a sin for David to eat that bread. But, but honestly, when I look at the God of Scripture, do you guys remember in the New Testament when Jesus and his disciples were gathering grain, it says, on the Sabbath day? And the holy men come up, and they're like, how dare you? How dare you go out there and work on the Sabbath? And Jesus was like, hey, they're hungry. If you guys had a, had a mule or a donkey that was stuck in a hole on, sun, on, on the Sabbath, which was Saturday for them, if that was to happen, wouldn't you go get that thing out of the hole? So let's not get too religious in this. I mean, sure, it's holy bread, but, but I also believe that God would have wanted them to be fed. And I think the picture we get from this bread is that God desires relationship. Everybody say relationship. That's what God wants from you. David, man, he's, he's, not re- he's not having a relationship with God when he's, when he's denying the truth, when he's sugarcoating the truth, you know? He's not having a relationship with God when he's depending upon a sword that probably was too big for him to carry anyways. This is not, this is not healthy. But right there in the middle of this, we see a God who wants to have a relationship with us. God wants to have a relationship with us. Can can you imagine the God of the universe, the God that created all things, he wants to have something to do with you. How amazing is that? That God wants to have something to do with us. And and David would have been better off to have taken the word of God seriously and lived by it instead of hiding it and masquerading it as something else. So David loses a little bit of confidence that day. He loses us a little bit. It's, it's not something that totally gets him down because we know that he goes on and he still does great things in the name of the Lord. But on this day, he learned something. On this day, he learned that he needed God and his faith in God was very important. Church, today, your faith in God is important. It's important that we go to the house of God so that our faith can continue to grow. When you get an opportunity to go to a conference or go to a Sunday school class or go to a a mission trip or whatever it is, when you get an opportunity, you should go because it is in those moments that you will grow in Christ. And that's important. God has not called any of us in here to stay in the same place that we've always been. And some of us, we may may be kind of just cruising on neutral for the last five or six years. 
And God's like, put it in drive and punch the gas and go on. Why do we wait? Well, the reason we wait is because we, we're not really having faith in God. We think, well, my way's better. I'll, I'll get up and preach a sermon when I'm comfortable with it. I'll, I'll go on a mission trip when I'm comfortable with it, when it's convenient for me. I have people that I know that they'll go to church when it's convenient for them. That's not the way it works. I'll read my Bible when, when I have time. I'll pray when I have time. I mean, truly, we all have this opportunity to pray. Paul said that we need to pray without ceasing. If you want to grow your faith, man, it comes through re- reading, hearing the word. But, but I think also when we pray, we're listening to God and we actually hear the word of God, that our faith grows then too. So prayer is important. When we pray, it's an important thing. And so we should always be praying. Some people say, man, I've got all these people coming to me with their problems. I don't have time to pray. That's a perfect time to pray. I, I have unpaid bills, Daniel. I, I just don't have time. I'm too stressed out to pray. You need to be praying. I have medical issues. I don't have time. I don't feel like it. Pray. Pray. We need to be people who pray all the time. I think probably in the story, we don't get the full picture, but I, I guarantee you David was running around like a chicken with his head cut off at this point in his life. He's scared. He's not praying. He's, he's not listening to the word of God. He's just running and he's trying to, to do it himself. He's trying to pull himself up by his own bootstraps. And guys, that never works very long. David needed to be like he was when he took on the giant that day. David lost his confidence in God and in fulfillment of God's purpose for his life. And yet that purpose had been revealed. You guys understand that, right? He knew he was to be king. And so much, I mean, he was such an upstanding guy, he wouldn't even kill Saul, even though he knew he was king. He's like, I'm going to let God do this. I'm going to let God take care of this situation. But he, but he goes on and he, he trusts in himself. He trusts in who he is instead of who God is. And all the while, God just wants to sit down and have some bread with him. And he missed that moment, didn't he? You don't, you don't hear about a, an awesome praise service or a devotion time. You don't see where he sets down. And, and understand, these guys are upstanding. He said they'd been kept from women, right? Um, they weren't going around having a good time partying or anything. They were, they were living a holy life. But, but again, actions don't save us. Actions don't put us where we need to be. It's knowing God. It's trusting in Him. And they were not doing that at this point. They weren't trusting in God. And every time that we fail to trust in God, it's going to get us in deep, deep trouble. David was in deep trouble now. He didn't know what to do. He's being pursued by this king. And then all of a sudden, here's the interesting thing. His sin caused sin and terrible things to happen to other people. Because of his lack of faith, there were people killed. Because of his lack of faith, they were in even, even deeper trouble. They didn't know what to do. They're just running. And it says he runs from one place to the next. And, and the last thing he does is he's deceitful to, to the king of Goth, right? He goes to him at kind of a shelter. He goes to the Philistines. You guys want to see a total breakdown of faith? He goes from seeking God to going to the enemy. And then when he gets there, he's kind of like, oh, what am I doing? Why am I here seeking refuge with these Philistines? And he goes to them and he's like, what, what am I doing here? Why, why, am I, why am I with the enemy, these ungodly people? Why am I here? And so instead of just fighting them or being brave in his faith, it says he acts like a madman. He lets the spittle run down his beard. 
if, if you guys don't know what spittle is, that's spit, okay? I think Oklahoma word is slobbers, okay? He let the slobbers run down his beard. I mean, he, he acted crazy. He was, he was a crazy man now. And, and as he's there, he's, he's, he's just acting crazy. And the king's like, man, get this crazy man. Do I not have enough crazy men in my kingdom? <laughs> There's a lot of crazy people in the world, aren't there? A lot of crazy people. But the thing is, is that we have to be people today who are having faith. And God. How do we do that? Look at Philippians. We're going to wrap it up this morning. Philippians chapter 2. I love this passage of scripture because it really does direct us where we need to go. We see the, the testimony of a man today, uh, how he was kind of doing some stuff that, that was not ideal, right? But Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, it says, So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection, and sympathy. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Think about these words that we just read, guys. I mean, when you're looking through here, Paul's writing to this church in Philippi, and, and it's, they're, they're dealing with the same stuff. They're, they're church people just like us. They sometimes don't have all the faith that they need. Sometimes they're putting their faith in, well, we'll just let pastor do it, or we'll let the Sunday school department do it, or you know what? We're not called the kids' ministry. We'll let the kids' ministry people do it. I'm not a missionary, so I'll let the missionaries do it. Southern Baptist, I, I understand the cooperative program is great, and we write a lot of checks, and we give money as churches across the United States and around the world. But the truth of the matter is, is God is calling us as able-bodied people to go as well. He's calling us to go. We're not called to just sit and just let other people do it. Honestly, I'll tell you something. The, the most blessed place you can be in ministry is in ministry. Actively involved. And I'm so proud of you guys as a church, man. I see you guys active every week. There's stuff going on all the time. And that, that activity shows your hearts. It shows that you're seeking to please God, to honor God. And the only way that we can do this, if there's any encouragement, where's it at? It's in Jesus Christ. It's in the work of the Holy Spirit. It's in glorification in God. That's the only encouragement that we have in this world. The only thing at the end of the day that I have is God. I have friends who are who are dealing with some tough stuff right now. They're going through some hard times. And I know the questions arise, and we've probably all asked them, I've asked them before, is, you know, if God is so good, why does he allow these things to happen? You ever been there before? 
God, why do you allow this to happen? Why do you allow innocent people to be hurt? Why do you allow things to happen that are just terrible to good people? But when we look at the entirety of, of human history, this world is broken. Does everybody agree with that? It's a broken world. And honestly, it's like a broken record. You kids, y'all don't know what a record is, but um, it was a, a, a music or audio uh, st- a storage device, basically. It's like a CD. Well, y'all don't know what a CD is either. It, it's like a, the cloud, okay? And it sends this music to your phone or, or to your computer. And Okay, so a record. It would spin, and you had a needle, and the needle would set on the record, and it would, it would pick up the vibrations and transpose those vibrations into sound, right? And you could listen to the wonderful sounds of Elvis or, or whatever. You could hear that music coming through there. My favorite's the Beatles, right? You could hear, you know, uh, John Lennon singing or, or Paul McCartney singing or something like that or, or even Ringo. Ringo did okay too. But as the sound was coming through the speakers, if there was a scratch on that record, it would skip. Sometimes it would skip and start over again, skip and start over again, skip and start over again. Guys, here's the thing. This world is broken. And what we're seeing time and time again are the effects of sin. The effects of sin. And at the end of the day, the only hope of encouragement we have is in Jesus. It's not in this world. It's not in this world. I read in Revelation where Jesus one day is going to wipe away every tear. He's going to smooth that record out. And we will be able to live in a place, in a time in which we are truly where we're made to be. And that's in the presence of God. That perfect joy. But that only comes when we have faith in God. And if we're living a life like David, if that's a, if that's a typical day for us to not have faith in God, we, we need to get right with the Lord. Our encouragement is in who? Jesus. It's in Jesus. If we have any encouragement, it's in Jesus. That's all we have. I mean, to the point that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's going to happen whether people like it or not. You know, I, I tell people that, you know, I read Scripture, and Scripture is very blatant as to what sin is and what sin is not. It tells you what sin is, doesn't it? As a pastor, man, it'd be easy just to overlook those chapters and just say, oh, just do what you want. The grace of God is good. You know what? The grace of God is good, but he desires better for us. You know, I've got a, got a four-month-old, I've got an 18-year-old, I've got a 14-year-old. That's a wide range of ages there. If I was to allow my kids at the different stages of life just to do what they wanted, what kind of father would I be? If I wouldn't warn them or try to help them, what kind of father would I be? And guys, I'll tell you something. The, the God of heaven... Your heavenly father, he is is concerned about your current situation. He's concerned about where you're at in life. And and if if you're offended by scripture, take the offense and make the change. If it's it's scary, take the, the fear and do something with it. When we get on to, you know, Peter, when he gets out of the boat, we're like, man, Peter was so weak. He fell in the water. No, he got out of the boat. Now, he kind of did a David thing here, and halfway through it, he's like, oh, wow, we're not supposed to be able to walk on water. And he sinks because he, why? Takes his eyes off of Jesus. He takes his eyes off of Christ. David took his eyes off his king, his true king, God. 
He took his eyes off of him and, and, and focused it on what he thought was right. And so many times in Scripture, we could, man, I could preach this sermon every week because every person in Scripture, all these, these famous Bible characters that we think have it all together, they mess up, they mess up, they mess up, they mess up. But the ones who are loved by God are always redeemed because he is a God of redemption. And the God we serve today is a God of redemption. If you're lost in sin, if you've got problems, if you're living a life that you know is not God's fault, it's not his plan. Sure, it's not his fault. It's not his plan for you either, is it? If you're living that life today, you can trust in God and he can right the wrong. He can redeem what's gone wrong there. I have people that are so lost in sin today, they will hardly even talk to me. I hate that. You know, and I, and I want to love them and all this. There, there was a, a guy, I'll tell you guys, a couple, last spring, I guess it was, I went to the state capitol and, and uh, we, were, we were talking to legislators about, um, about the abortion issue here in the state. And the Southern Baptists, we had, you know, we had a stance that we were, a lot of us were getting behind. And then there was another stance and people were kind of being ugly with that stance. But, but I was like, that's so silly that everybody's arguing. They all agree to the same thing, but they're arguing over how to do it. But I was at the Capitol, and I, and I went around, and I, I literally walked into legislators, their chambers, and, and they were scared to see me because they didn't know if I was going to yell at them or what. And I, I really, I walked in, and I said, hey, I just want, here, I'm just here looking for a solution to abortion in Oklahoma, but here's the, here's the thing. I want to pray with you. And they would just put their guard down, you know? Like, some of them, I know they weren't necessarily Christian, or they, you know, they weren't that way. Um, but, but when you said, hey, I just want to pray with you, they would let you pray with them. Can you imagine that? I see Mr. Canada. I bet you loved it when people come to pray with you, you know? And, and I would go into these guys' chambers, and I would pray with them. And it was an awesome thing to, to do that. But the thing is, is that after I left the chambers, and I did my good deed as an American citizen, you know? As a Southern Baptist pastor. I went out and there was a guy, you probably saw him on social media this week. He had something on top of his head and he was dancing around a school bus in Tulsa, I think it was. Did you guys see that? Okay. That guy was at the Capitol that day. He had a big cowboy hat on that day and he had a legalized pot or something. You know, he was, uh, he was doing something else that day. But he come up to me. And some of y'all are going to be like, oh, this is good. No, it wasn't. We had a great conversation. He wanted to know, hey, what do you believe? Why do you believe it? And I talked to him about it. Joni, she, she like sent me that link and she's like, can you believe this guy? I was like, I've met him before. <laughs> she's like, what? You're meeting a guy that walks around with one of them things on his, on his head? It's like, well, he had a cowboy hat on that day. So that was, you know. We had a good conversation. Here's what I want you to understand is that God can use you to minister to all kinds of people. This guy may be way off his rocker or whatever, but you know what? That day I got to tell him why God thinks that life is valuable. And I told him, I'll never forget. I looked him right in the eyes. I said, no, no, and I believe this. I think that God looks at you and he sees you as valuable. I don't think he'll ever forget that. I could have yelled at him. I could have said, you dope head or whatever. You know, I could have said like a lot of things that we might be tempted to say, but, but I just loved the guy and I told him the truth. And church, that's what we're called to. And that's living in faith. It's not often easy to do that, but we are called to live in faith. We're called to tell people the truth, to love them. We don't always have to go cause a controversy. A lot of people I know in the church, they just want to make people mad. We were at a camp several years ago, and one of the preachers got up, and he says, well, if you don't know Jesus by now, I don't know what to tell you. And I was like, what? What? <laughs> That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard come out of a preacher's mouth, right? 
And, and I've listened to a lot of TV preachers. The thing is, is that was we were standing there that day, and I heard that, and I was looking at the worship band, and we are like, did he really just say that? I was like, yeah, he did. He did just say that. Well, here's what we tell people. People are sinful. People are broken. Sin kills you. Jesus died for us. His death is our redemption. Our faith in that work is our redemption. We can know him. If we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. No questions asked. That's a good message. I, mean, I, love, I love my job as a pastor because I have good news to tell people. It's not bad news. When I was working for DHS, I always had bad news. That was, that was a terrible, terrible thing sometimes, you know. You, you were relaying bad news to people a lot of times. Or, you know, on the fire department, we see stuff. We, man, we have to go tell people this. Now, you know, they didn't make it or whatever, you know. Sometimes it's bad news. But in the gospel, it is good news. And in the video we watched at the beginning, you know, we are empowered by the gospel. We're empowered by the gospel of Jesus Christ in that even though we are sinners, Christ died for us. And through him we have life. Amen. Church, be empowered this week. Go from this place. Don't be weak. Don't be weak. Go and be a witness. Go and be a light. And have faith in God. He is on his throne. Let's pray. God, I love you for this day. I love you for your words that we read in Scripture. Our faith is growing today because of what we have read, not because of what Pastor has said. We are looking here, and we see the truth in Scripture. David messed up, but man, I know he also came back, and he did some great things. And Lord, our joy, our encouragement is in Jesus Christ. It is in the gospel. It is in being saved. It is in being redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who, you're all powerful. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And Lord, my desire is that everyone I meet, that when that time comes, that Lord, they will do it with joy. They will do it with joy, not, not out of regrets. Lord, thank you for loving us today. To speak to people's hearts? Would you draw us to be right with you today? Would you, Lord, call us to, to quit playing games? Lord, to have faith in you, in your most holy name.